and welcome to irishracing.com for another episode of our form scan show sponsored by William Hill. We had a great start to the series last week with Gavin Lynch tipping up plenty of winners and I'm delighted to be joined this week by Stephen Harris, form betting expert, to review this weekend's action. Stephen, how are you keeping? Yeah, fine, thanks, Emma. It's a bit uh, wet, that's the only thing. I know we're always moaning about the weather, but having sort of last season, it started off on firm ground till about December, but this year I think it's, I mean, the, the ground is absolutely atrocious, really. Uh, everywhere. Sandown, which raced at the weekend, which is round the corner from me, I think they, they're going to get much more testing conditions by the time we get to Sunday afternoon because it's pouring with rain here and it has been all, all morning so far. So just something to look out for. And obviously we've got Aintree this weekend and they've survived an inspection this morning, which is good news. Yeah, it's. I was in Clanmel yesterday and it was really, really tough going. A lot of horses finishing very tired. So I think especially going at the weekend will be very, very tough. But mm. I suppose just before we kind of get started, it's kind of get a good to get a bit of a background on all of our weekly guests. So you're from Betting Expert brand at the moment, obviously, but you're a former bookmaker as well. So maybe just for people who don't know you too well, give us a little bit of background to yourself. Yeah, um, well, I was a, a bookmaker. I, I became a bookmaker on course um, at university, basically. My last year at university, I, I went to Reading University basically because it was near the dog track, which is not probably the best uh, example of higher education. But And then I, I bet at Reading dogs for about um, 16, 17 years, three nights a week. Um, and I bet at Oxford for about two years before that closed. It's now reopened. But yes, yeah, so I've had like nearly 20 years of on-course bookmaking. And um, I've worked for other bookmakers off-course as well, Sporting Index being the main one. Uh, for quite a long time doing their racing uh, so yeah I've, I've always been involved in the bookmaking and punting sort of side both sides of it. I'm much more a punter now and I do the um, the selections and the write-ups and the blogging for betting expert every day which you can you can find online on the on the betting expert site and on YouTube we do daily videos and stuff so yeah I'm, I'm sort of pretty much horse racing 24 7 basically these days it's tough, tough life being an on-course bookmaker. Do you miss it? Well, it used to be good. I mean, I mean, every when I first started, when I was, which I think I was twenty-one or twenty-two, maybe, which is a flipping long time. Hard to believe, flipping long time ago. I know, but um, yeah, it, it it used to be good. I mean, there was a lot of cash flying around. Everything took place at the track. Uh, you could bet your own opinion if you wanted to stand a favourite. You could stand it for whatever you could afford to lose, really, um, because there was money around. Whereas as my sort of career on course came to an end, which was um, sort of over 10 years ago now, um, it had begun to go. We'd had a couple of recessions. Pe people didn't have cash anymore. And I think now, I mean, I think on course bookmakers now are hanging on by their fingernails, to be honest. It's uh, it's pretty desperate midweek. There's nobody there. I mean, you get decent crowds on the Saturdays and at festivals and stuff. And I, I'm sure maybe you'll, you'll tell me more about Ireland. I know Ireland is a much more of a racing country and a betting country in many ways, whereas I live in the south of England. And if, if you go to Sandown midweek, I mean, you know, there's more life than a tramp's vest. I mean, it, it, literally, it's completely deserted. It's blinding racing and it's a, it's a fantastic place to go racing, but there, there's nobody there and there never is. And Kempton is 10 times worse. I mean, Kempton get a massive crowd on Boxing Day and nobody goes there for the rest of the year. It's quite, it's extraordinary, really, but... Yeah, I, I feel like I'm well out of it. I miss the banter and the wind-ups with punters, but I must admit, financially, I've sort of, my hair's stopped going grey in recent years because I'm well out of it, I think. <laughs> Bit of a less stressful <laughs> life, so. But yeah, yeah. even in Clanmel yesterday, I mean, I suppose the weather didn't help. Like, there was a good crowd there, but 
like the betting ring was I don't know how many bookmakers were there but it was too many book- probably well this is the amazing <laughs> thing I mean that these people talk about punters being addicted I promise you on course bookmakers are addicted to going they are terrified that somebody else is getting to get the money if they don't turn up and there's I should think that some of these tracks midweek, if you had three bookmakers, there'd be two too many. And they still get like 25 people of them go. Bookmakers have always been obsessed about what other people are doing and who's getting what. And they think they think these days that somebody else is getting it in a better pitch. And it's just not true because nobody can take a sixpence. I mean, um, I don't know whether you, you ever spoken to AK Betts, who's a real good go-ahead bookmaker. Um, he's he did buy a lot of pitches um, on course in Ireland, and he, he's starting to offload them now by the look of things. So I think it's very very hard, you know, unless you've got punters who regularly bet with you, it's a very hard way to try and eke out a living these days. Yeah, definitely. And it wasn't I suppose it wasn't much of a betting day in Clanmel yesterday. Uh, a few favourites getting in, I suppose, for Willie Aloho and Allegory Devasi. What did you make of that performance from Aloho? Like first run back after a long time, um, won it easy, I suppose, but it wasn't much of a race, really. Yeah, I mean, I tend to because I'm sort of a punter. I am quite cynical, and I'd say ninety percent of the time I take a negative view about things. I didn't think. I mean, he's obviously everything's still in one piece. He's a brilliant jumper. He's got a high cruising speed. I'm not sure it was the ideal return because I think he ended up having quite a hard race. I don't think he was hanging on to much up the straight, was he? I mean, you were there. You'd probably get a better sense of it. I did read they said he was blowing very hard afterwards and he probably needed the run, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure sort of after all that time off on heavy ground, having a really hard race was the, the ideal comeback. But having said that, we were talking off air, weren't we? When he, when he won that the race at Cheltenham and he wins every single year until he went missing for a couple of years, the ground was always quite tight, relatively speaking. It wasn't bottomless or, or heavy. One of the occasions, it was almost good ground, and he just flew over it, didn't he? He was sort of like Mr. Frisk within the 1984 Grand National. More, you know, they they never saw saw which way he went, and I think he probably wants better ground. But at least he's back, and it is. I mean, I don't know about you, that the reason I love the jumps and much prefer it to the flat is these horses do come back year after year, generally speaking, and you get to know them and you form opinions on them, whether you're right or wrong, and that's another matter, but. With the flat, it's much more fleeting and you don't get a chance to form those sort of views. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, mean, I was excited to see him back. It was probably one of the, well, we had a runner on the first, but it was kind of the main reason I wanted to go. And I think I spoke to a lot of people there and he was the reason he they went racing as well. Look, yeah. I suppose you can't really draw too many conclusions from the race. It was just a schooling session, really. Um, I was kind of surprised how quick, I suppose, you're kind of watching him going and it doesn't look like he's going that fast, but then you see the horses in behind him and they're absolutely flat out. He's just such a big horse. He covers so much ground. Um, you probably might be worried a small bit next time out. Would he bounce a bit? It was yeah. like a tough, tough race after such a long layoff. But five to one now for the King George anti post. I don't think I'd be washing to back it. Any interest for you? No, I think it's far too short. I mean, I, I don't fancy Brave Man's game. I know everybody fancies that. I mean, that got beat the other day at Chepstow. The only other runner in the race, Ahoy Senor, was beat after a mile. Um, Brave Man's game got an absolute solo. And I thought, I mean, he may well have won by a neck or he, or he ended up losing by a bit more because of the mistake at the last. But I don't think, I mean, Nichols sort of saying, oh, he's 80% fit afterwards. I promise you, he would have been ready for that race. It's all after timing nonsense. Nichols trains these horses with targets. I'm not saying he won't win the King George, but he's a diabolical price. I think probably have to look elsewhere when the race comes around. 
Right, so we'll dive into a few more Gold Cup horses, though, who will be showing up at Down Royal this weekend. I suppose we'll go for the big one first, the Labrooks champion chase over three miles. Jerry Colomb, very, very short favourite for this, 8-11 to 11 now at the moment with William Hill. Would you be convinced by him? Well, I do like him. I mean, I, it, we were talking off air, weren't we? How did he get beat at Cheltenham? That was one of those Cheltenham results where you just look at it afterwards. You think, how on earth has he not won the race? I mean, he had them stone cold the whole way round and somehow didn't get it done up the hill. Uh, but he'd made amends at Aintree. I mean, I think he does look top class. And Gordon Elliott, um, we talk about trainer form at this time of year, it's absolutely massive, isn't it? Gordon Elliott's had 12 winners from his last 43 runners in the last 14 days at the time of recording. They're suddenly absolutely flying. And I think Jerry Colomb's got a lot less convictions than his rivals here, who are pretty exposed and are all capable of putting in a, a stinker of a run as well. So I would imagine Jerry Colomb will travel all over them. And if he's fit enough, he'll get it done. Yeah, look, I think he's probably, he's definitely the best horse in the race at the moment anyway. Look, he's about six to one for the Gold Cup. It's probably short enough for me now to be back in that anti-post. Like, just Cheltenham yeah. last year, just, but I was a big fan of him coming into it, but I just have a few small doubts about him after it. Envoy Allen, like he's won, I think he's four from four at this meeting. He's never been beaten in down Royal. He was disappointing though last time in Goran behind um, Easy Game in the PwC Champion Chase. But he has the fitness edge over Jerry. I think if anyone's going to give him a bit of a race, it probably will be him. Conflated yeah. ran no kind of race in in, in Punchestown last time behind Manetta Indo. Manetta Indo was good that day, but look, he's he probably is what he is now. He's getting on an age, and he, I don't think he should be beating Jerry Colomb here. But probably no bet for me in this one. I think he's just too short to be back, and I'm really in kind of what will be a very tactical affair. Um, and, yeah, I was going to say it, it, these small field Irish graded races at the start of the, the season. A the market in the last three minutes is extremely revealing and we'll know a lot more than you or I discussing it now. Um, and B, tactics are just massive and the market will tend to know what's going to lead, what's going to sit second and what's going to sit third. I was going to ask you something that I've been told or, 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 or someone who might know has said to me that Henry um, the Bromhead, who's flying at the minute, he's had seven winners in the last 14 days, is about to part company with Rachel um, Blackmore. Um I don't know whether you've heard anything like that. I know these are sort of race course rumours. It might turn out to be nonsense, but um, whether you'd heard anything like that was actually possible. I hadn't heard anything now, to be honest. I right. um, would be a little bit surprised if it did happen, but look, stranger things have happened in racing, I suppose. I know Darrow O'Keefe is his second jockey who's absolutely flying as well. Yeah. Don't know if maybe, there's any, been any falling out there. Maybe but... it's relate, related to how well he's riding rather than anything else, you know, and they're, they're thinking... I think she has fell off a couple of them, hasn't she, lately? I mean, I think she's top class and absolutely brilliant, to be honest. I, I'd be slightly surprised. I mean, the one thing about this race is Jerry Colom is seven, Manila Endo's ten, Envoy Allen's nine, uh, Conflated ran abysmally the other day and is nine. You, you sort of think it, it could be the sort of race. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Jerry Colom ended up sort of nine to four on and won very, very easily. And, and he was absolute nap and they know he's top class and... He go, he's going to go for the Gold Cup and all the rest of it. I, I suppose the thing with Joe Colom, he's got very few convictions, hasn't he? He's not done anything wrong. He's upwardly mobile and progressive. That that Cheltenham defeat by an inch, I suppose if he'd won by an inch, you'd be saying, well, he's, you know, he could be the next sort of superstar. I mean, he won at Aintree like he was absolutely top class. You know, he did look the real deal. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he won really impressively, to be honest. Yeah, I think he has to win this as well to have any like mm. to be really considering him as a Gold Cup horse. If he gets beat here, you, like he 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 he'd ha he'd struggle in a Gold Cup, I think, because yeah. I don't think any of these will be will be involved in the big day. 
So look, right. we'll go back now to the the one forty five, I suppose, the handicap hurdle there. I'm not sure if you've any opinion opinion on this one. Well, I thought Foxy Girl was the most interesting runner. Again, I'm not sure I want to back her, but we haven't seen her out since she finished eighth at Cheltenham in in, in Henry de Bromwich's late sons race, didn't he? But eighth behind you wear it well, and that form is very very good. And I don't think she was seen to best effect there. I mean, she, she's going into handicaps now, although it is a listed race. But you sort of think she could have got a much higher mark than 123. Um, and she's certainly got potential. She'll love the ground. As we said, Henry is flying. He's had seven winners in the last 14 days. She's a, it, she's a very interesting horse to see in the market. Again, she could be 11 to 4 favourite, stable, nap, primed. She might have had issues. She's had a eight months off or so, hasn't she? She's been off for 240 days. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the market made. Which one did you like? You're much more on the Irish form than I am. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting race, I suppose. I was kind of surprised to see Jack Kennedy riding the Model Kingdom for Noel Mead when Gordon has a few in the race. Look, maybe it's just a case that Gordon wants to claim or maybe Jack insisted on riding this one. I'm not too sure. Look, she'll, she'll be fit coming into this anyway, the Noel Mead uh, mare. Six-year-old, she ran in the flat in early October in Thurless. She was beaten odds on there. She's just a mare that I can't really trust, to be honest. I I, I was with you with Foxy Girl. Um, look, she's very, very unexposed. Only three runs to date. She won a maiden hurdle in Limerick last Christmas, and it, it actually worked out to be quite a good maiden hurdle in the end. She beat in excess from the Mullins yard, who went on to hack up in another what looks like a good maiden hurdle in Fairy House. So that form looks very strong. Her Cheltenham one, I think I can kind of forgive her for it. Like yeah. it was probably a big ask being so kind of unexposed going into it. She's quite a keen going mare as well. She gave herself a hard time that that day but she ran with a lot of promise i thought just fading late on probably result of her pulling so hard hood first time here she probably should be a bit more mature you'd think coming into this one than she was in cheltenham so yeah i'll, I'll stick with her i think um so we're both, we're both together on that one which is right. ho hopefully a good sign anyway yeah <laughs> um, but look we'll move on now to i think the last race we'll discuss in down royal very very tricky affair um grade two steeplechase over two miles three only three runners, Fernilly, Visionarian, and the Galway Plate winner, Ash Tree Meadow. Do you fancy anything here? Well, I mean, it's a, Emmett Mullins has got the second in. I think it's owned by JP McManus. I mean, I'm not sure I'm rushing to put my bookmaker's hat on in the race, to put it politely. I mean, um, Ash Tree Meadow's been off for 101 days, but I wouldn't have thought that would be any issue. Got a good record fresh, probably going to lead, probably going to lead on his own. Um, Jack Kennedy's book, Gordon Elliott's Flying. The other two stables, Emmett Mullins, he's naught from one in the last 14 days. He's barely had a runner. And Peter Farr, he is naught from 12. So, you know, I, the favourite could be a certainty. And the market will definitely be very accurate here, I'd have thought. If the favourite ends up sort of an odds-on chance and is four lengths clear, jumping well on his own, he's going to be sort of one to two on the exchanges immediately and, and, and almost have to fall to get beat. But I didn't have a strong opinion form-wise, but I suspect... Uh, the Elliot horse might be a certainty. Yeah, he he was very good winning the Galway Plate, I suppose. But you kind of wonder was he maybe flattered a bit by a very good ride that day? Danny Gillingham went out in front and made made every post the winning post. Um, Visionarian was behind him that day. I think he was fifth in the plate. Uh, look, he's a, he seems to be a specialist at finding these these small field races. I think he's after after Saturday's race, he'll only have faced nine rivals in three runs. Won a farce of a race in the stall last time, only two runners. I think St. Sam came down at the last and he won then. Yeah. 
I, I'm not going to be backing anything in this team. And it's going to be very, very tactical. Um, if Ashley Meadow gets his way in front, probably it probably is the most likely winner. Um, yeah. fair this, must be his, this must be history in the making, Emma, isn't it? That there's a three-runner race in Ireland on a Saturday. Willie Mullins hasn't got a runner. I mean, that cannot have ever happened before. I mean, usually I'm sort of moaning about these sort of small field races and Willie's got two out of the four runners, you know. He must, he must have slept in and to miss the depths this morning, I think it was. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is with Willie. He doesn't really love this down oil meeting, maybe as much as right. Gordon Elliott does. Gordon seems to tag it up nearly all of his, his better horses here. Uh, Willie doesn't really send... He very rarely sent one of his top horses here now, maybe the odd time. But, um, yeah, it's interesting, Willie, he actually... Paul is he heading to Goran instead of going to the big meeting here, which is um, probably says enough when he doesn't have a whole pile up there. But yeah. just one last horse I'm going to give a quick mention to in uh, Down Wild is in the 328 handicap chase over three miles. Solomon Lane is a horse I really like. Um, I fancied him last time he ran in Pontchestown. He's running for Martin Hassett, and I think they're operating at a 27% strike rate with their national hunt horses this year. It's a small yard, but if they can target one, they normally get it right. He ran a lovely race in Pontchestown, probably just blowing up at the last. Um, probably will be a good each-way price here again, so if he's double figures, I'll definitely be backing him each way. Oh. Um, right, so we'll, we'll move on now. Look, Goran, I was just going to give it a small mention, I suppose. Uh, Brandy Love making Chase debut. Um, what do you think of her? She probably wasn't in, overly inspiring last year. Well, she's she just one of these... She's she's fallen between two stools, hasn't she? She's been banging her head against Honeysuckle and these sort of top-class mares and making little impression in the in these sort of small field races. Uh, I would think chasing probably be the making of it. She's got plenty of size. Uh, if she can jump fluently, she should win, really. Um, I didn't have a strong opinion betting-wise. It's a good race to watch. There's some interesting runners. I, I think has Gordon got one in there? Um, num down number five, is it? I can't I'm pronounce it. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting run. I'm disappointed final run last season, but some of her form earlier in the season was pretty strong. So it'd be interesting to see what the market makes of her. I mean, certainly in terms of stable form, Elliot's going better than Willie at the moment, I think. Um, so a fascinating race to watch. Again, I, I don't think it's a betting race. Probably won't be a betting race. No, I'd imagine Brandy <coughs> Love will probably the odds on. And I, I'd have a few question marks about her, to be honest, especially in what's likely to be very, very testing ground in Gore. And like she, she'd really want to take to the fences to to do it. And it's it's not the worst race in the world. But look, right. if, if back, she's back, back anywhere two miles as well. She's been running over two and a half, hasn't she? I was mm. thinking wondering about two miles for her, but I would imagine they'll be fairly positive. I mean, they usually front on these chases first time out if they're if they're worried about the drop in trip. And she has got a lot of class. I mean. She's one of these you sort of against honeysuckle for the last couple of years. You've sort of been looking at her on the bridle, thinking, "Oh, who's that?" You know, could, but not quite seeing it out over two and a half. So maybe two the ideal now, chasing. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll move away from Goran. It's it's kind of a tough day there. A lot of maiden hurdles, beginners' chases. Probably not the biggest betting meeting. We'll go over to Wing Canton to to the UK. Um, good days racing there. I suppose we'll start with the the Rising Stars novice chase. Grade two contest over two miles four. Napper's Hill is very, very fancied here for the for the nickel stable. Four to six at the moment with William Hill. Do you fancy him? I couldn't back him at six to four on. I mean, he was a seven-time hurdle winner from 13 starts. Paul Nichols wins every race at Wincanton, it, it feels like. So he's very much on home territory. I thought he was a bit disappointing at Chepstow behind Unexpected Party. I, I know Unexpected Party got a very good ride from Harry Scout and made all the running and sort of Chepstow's one of those tracks where it's very undulating and they can get away if they front and Napa's Hill never really landed a blow finished with a bit of running left obviously 
will strip fitter for that run. That was over two mile three. This is two mile four that should suit. I'm, I'm not totally convinced. I thought Wing Canton might be sharp enough for Napa. So, I mean, I, I'm surprised at the disparity of the prices. I mean, I thought Captain Combi at four to one was one of the better bets of the weekend. I, I watched him win at Killarney. Uh, where a few things went wrong. He made a couple of mistakes, but he was very strong at the finish there over two mile one. Uh, and last time out of Tipperary, he had absolutely no chance with Sharjah. And I, I don't think he um, was seen to best effect. He made a bit of a mistake at the fourth uh, and lost ground with the rider not doing a lot uh, a mile out. And Sharjah had basically got the race won from halfway. But I, I don't think Captain Combi shaped at all badly. He's race fit. He's had a couple of runs. Um, he's sort of four to one. He'll probably be bigger on the exchange. I think the price difference is miles too big in terms of form between him and Napa's Hill. Yeah, I thought Captain Cambie was interesting as well, travelling over from the Dusty Sheehy yard. He won his beginners very, very well in Clarny, like you mentioned. He beat Great Bear that day. It was a pretty good yardstick. He's not a bad horse at all. Um, Charger race, look, you can't read too much into that. Napa's Hill, I'm not sure what I trust him too much either. Look, He's a, he was a better horse than Captain Combi over hurdles, but interesting reading the trainer's quotes after Captain Combi won in Clarny. Um, I think Keith Donahue said this fella could have a, a bright future over fences. So I'm sure, look, they're not going to be travelling over for nothing. And four to yeah. one probably seems a lot well, more attractive. I'll tell you another thing about um, these two horses. Nappers Hill, I think he wants good ground. I mean, he's won on soft ground, but he won by... He won at Sandown on soft ground, which is bad. But he was absolutely all out drunk up the hill. And I don't think it suited him. All of his hurdling wins, I mean, I'm, he finished tailed off on soft ground at Sandown in the early days. But his wins have been on good, good, good to firm. He was well beaten on soft at Cheltenham. Then it, he's been a winner on, on, on good ground twice since as well. I, I don't think he wants desperate ground. That There's rain forecast on Saturday at Wincanton. I, I think it could tip it in the Irish horse's favour. Um, rather than Napa's Hill. I mean, I respect Napa's Hill. He's scopy. He's probably going to want three miles in time. He's got potential. And he, he did run perfectly well on the figures the other day. But I, I think the Irish horse might just be able to beat him if this becomes a real slog. Yeah, I hope you're right. Um, but I, I always find it very hard to go against Paul Nichols on these kind of Saturdays. Uh, oh, yeah. He can just yeah. kind of mop up all the races, can't he? And it, it, it is ridiculous, yeah. We, we, well, we talked about this last year, didn't we? I mean, every Saturday comes around, he runs the whole the whole stables out and he tends to have six winners. He, he's absolutely, he gets them up for these, particularly at Wing Canton. There's almost a sign-up. I mean, you were saying about Willie not running at Down Royal, place like that. Um, Paul Nichols sort of almost bars, you know, Henderson and Skelton and all that barely have a runner at Wincant and they just let him get on with it and I, I think it's just not one of their tracks you know yeah and he's, he's got he's got the, the top two in the market and the next as well the Badger Veer Chase three mile one fold on bidding for a repeat of last year's success a 3025 is up there as well um who caught your eye on this one well I, I think both the nickel sources are vulnerable I mean Frodon's old enough to smoke now um he's got 12 stone to lump and with Bryony I think's a brilliant jockey that that's probably nearly a stone and a half's worth of lead in the saddle because she won't weigh more than 10 stone four, I wouldn't have thought. Um, so Froden, it's a massive ask at the age of 11. I mean, he's a brilliantly tough front-running battler, but he's seven to two in the early list, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was a double-figure price by the time they jump off. Obviously, three under through five is very well handicapped. The one I like here um, is the big breakaway, who um, has got more letters the numbers in his form and he's a very very frustrating horse but he's extremely well treated I was actually amazed you know sometimes with horses you think he must be nearly 11 or 10 he's actually only eight but 
he, he ran most of last season at a time when Joe Tizard was quiet. And this time around, they're five from 23 in the last fortnight. They've all been absolutely flying. And I think Fresh could be just the time to catch the big breakaway. He's got lots of really top-class handicap form in the past. They've tried him in listed and graded races. And he's often shaped better than the bare result. He, he's just one of those horses. He tends to make a mistake as he's moving into it and then doesn't find as much off the bridle as you thought he was going to. But he's well-treated. He's fit. He's fresh. I'd have thought they'd have laid him out for this race. You know, eight to one, Brendan Powell booked a really good young jockey going places. I think he's the one side. I could almost make him favourite over the Nichols too. And I wouldn't be totally surprised if he didn't end up favourite. Yeah, he was kind of the first one that caught my eye. Is that he's just the horse. I don't think we've actually, like, he is eight, an eight-year-old, but he's just kind of been frustrating. You don't, I don't think we've, we've really seen the best of him so far, which is kind of a strange thing to say. Given That's right. No, I totally agree. He, I totally agree. He, he won his only point. He won two from four over hurdles. And he looked like he was going to be a proper graded horse. He somehow run 12 times over fences and only won once. And I was, I was actually, I was amazed by that because you do sort of think back, looking back, he must have won more than one race over fences because it feels like he's sort of been running every Saturday for the last three or four years. But um, he's well treated. I think this race we run to suit him. They're going to go right gallop, uh, and he does stay particularly well. And the yards going well. There's lots in his favour, as I say, seven or eight to one. I think it's a fair price. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there, but I, I, I do give three hundred two five a good chance as well. Like you were saying, he yeah. is well treated and. You know, if, if they go a strong gallop, which I'm so, sure Frodon will probably try to ensure, like, this fella stays fair swell. Um, yeah, look, but I don't have a massively strong opinion. I'd, I'd put it between those two uh, as well, though. I, I can't see Frodon doing it. He's just getting on a bit now, but I kind of say that about him every year, and he, he, seems, to, he seems to keep doing it anyway. So, uh, Bryony rides him absolutely brilliant. She knows, and she sees a stride every single fence. But he is getting old now, and I mean, it's some ask on the 12 stone first time out. I mean, as I say, these markets are so illiquid and they're not being tested by punters. Frodon's seven to two. If he was 10 to one, I wouldn't blink. Yeah, she just gets on so well. And she kind of lets him do his own thing and uh, they, 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 they enjoy all their races anyway. So look, it'd be good to see him run well, but I, I can't see him doing it again. 12 stone, rising 12 years of age as well. So it's, it's going to be a tough ask. But we'll move on to the last in Wing Canton then that we'll look at. It's the Elite Hurdle, grade two contest over two miles. Nichols looks to have another one in what could be a big day for him. Rubo, kind of, I was kind of surprised he stayed over hurdles this year, to be honest. But I suppose when you think about it, there isn't a whole pile behind Constitution Hill in the two-mile division in the UK. So he could probably mop up a nice bit of prize money there anyway. Um, yeah. He's five to six on. Would you trust him at that price? Well, I think there's one thing to say here. West Balboa, who's, who's, who's going to run at Aintree. So this will end up being a four-runner race. Um, Sacrica is a front-running chaser. Could be a spoiler for Rhubarb, but not the grade. Can't possibly win. And the bottom one, Glorious Zoff's out class. So it looks a straight match. Um, Rhubarb was very impressive at Kempton. Made all, jumped well, travelled well. Um, he's open to more improvement. He's five from eight over hurdles. Um, I suppose if it got very testing ground, he ran OK on soft at Kempton when he got beat as a novice. Um, it's been good or good to soft only for all his wins. It was good ground at Kempton. Nichols, um, he's had, I think he's had eight winners in the last 14 days. They're going perfectly well. Hansard looks the only other day, the only other runner, as the market suggests. Gary Moore, uh, two from 34 in the last 14 days, which is not a wonderful stat. Uh, Botox has won one of the big races, scrambled home there. So perhaps they're not 100%. 
Um, I don't think the ground would be any issue for Hansar, but I think he's got quite a bit to find on form with Rubard. Again, I suspect Rubard will be nearer to one to two than five to six. Five to six seems a pretty fair price to me. Yeah, I suppose the ground is the only kind of question mark. He's not really yeah. proven on very testing ground, but probably looks a fairly straightforward contest for him, apart from that. Like you said, he has form over Hansard in the past and the rest of them look a bit out of it, really. Um, so look, it's not, not, probably not much of a betting race unless you like those uh, short, short price favourites. Um, but we'll, look, we'll move on to Aintree anyway for the last race we mentioned on Saturday, the Grand Sefton over the National Fences. Tough race, I suppose. Not a massive feel for our Grand Sefton. I think they've moved the time of the race, which maybe might uh, attribute to that a bit. It's early in the season, I suppose, for these staying handicapped chasers. Couple in there with fair chances. Anything standing out to you? Well, there's been plenty of money. Uh, the only one who's really attracted money is, is Jess Kill, who's an unknown quantity. He's been winning in France um, for the Greenals. Excellent stable, uh, Oliver Greenall. Four winners in the last 14 days. They're all flying. Jessica's completely unexposed. Wouldn't mind any more rain. I would imagine it's going to be heavy ground. They've, they've survived one inspection there already, and it's still raining there today, apparently, although the forecast is good for Saturday. Um, so that's an interesting one. The one I liked, another Irish raider, Paul uh, John Gilligan's Born by the Sea, who's a nine-year-old. He, he's only won two of his 24 starts over fences, but he handles deep ground really well. And I actually thought he ran a blinder in the Grand National last year behind Corak Rambler. Uh, he ended up finishing sixth there of the 39 runners, but he ran really well, really. Um, never quite landing a blow, but up on the hammer throughout at a big price. I think he was he was 50 to one that day, but he's jumped these fences, which I like that round Aintree. I think if you've done it there once, you tend to be able to do it again. Uh, he's race fit. He's had a few runs already this season in Ireland. I think he's bound to run well at eight to one, but I do think these races are a bit of a minefield, Emma. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, Born by the Sea kind of stood out as well for Paul Gilligan. Um, I don't think he'd be travelling over from Ireland for no reason. And he did. He ran a massive race in the Grand National. I'm just wondering, would this be a little bit sharp for him? I'm not 100% sure. But if the ground gets testing, it might 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 draw him into it. But yeah, Jess yeah. Keel, favourite, obviously, but looks like maybe very, very hard to beat. I think he was second in this last year. Went on to finish second oh. in the in the beachers as well. So he's plenty of experience over the fences. And like you said, won a listed contest in Orteal uh, not too long ago. So he's race fit as well. Um, but I wouldn't be having much of a bet in it now, like you were saying, like over the national fences. Although it's not a massive field, it can be a little bit unpredictable. So I do Fantastic ladies, interesting. The, the Henderson, or she, she, that one ran really well over course and distance behind Bill Baxter. In, in April, and that was on pretty testing ground. And she's a mare. Um, she's open to a bit more improvement. She's a bit more lightly raced than some of them. She only ran nine times over fences, so she could have a bit more to offer. Um, she's got Nico on, which I, I have a bit of an aversion to backing anything ridden by him, but at least it's around about six to one rather than four to six. So that there is some of the risk removed. But, uh, yeah, she should run well as well. But, again, I think it's a very difficult Saturday handicap. Not a big Nico fan. I'm, I'm not wild on him. I mean, he, he won. We were going to talk. Um, I thought he was very good on a horse, Will Mount, that won at Newbury in the week. That really did look top class. Very impressive. Uh, jumping well in a race that Henderson's milked over the years. He, he's perfectly good on the absolute certainties, Nico, when he gets an uncontested lead. It's just when you need any sort of judgment of pace from, from off the pace in these handicaps. He doesn't get many outside rides, I think is probably the politest way of putting it. 
Yeah, it was interesting. Wilmot was very, very impressive yesterday, wasn't he? And the big money point to point or disappointed big time in the bumper. Did you see that one, Histronic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was disappointing. That became very attritional, didn't it? It had rained at Newbury halfway through the day and it was pretty desperate by the last race. And I think he probably blew up and he might have ended up marooned on the wrong side of the track. So I'd probably give him another chance. I'll tell you another horse who I really liked in the week, just gone Johnny Who of John Joe's, who's absolutely flying at the minute, John Joe. Um, he looked a really nice horse at Carlisle, uh, didn't come off the bridle in bad ground, and it was a proper run race, that. And uh, he's, a, he's a name to put in everyone's trackers. Yeah, he was very impressive. There's been a few in the UK over the last uh, few days or weeks. Aroko as well, another one, I suppose, very, very oh, eye-catching. Um, yeah. The Irish horses probably haven't gotten going as well as the UK, so maybe maybe that yeah. might be a sign, a sign of things no, to come. And at this time of year, we, we talked about it when we've been discussing the race. I think there's four yards at the minute in the UK are absolutely flying. Venetia Williams suddenly has gone bang in the last week. Uh, she had a treble, um, I think it was on... Thursday, they're flying now. They're all going to win. They'll win relentlessly now for the next couple of months. Kim Bailey has got some fantastic young horses. They're all flying. Joe Tizard, we've already touched on. And John Joe, unusually, because he can take a long time to get going, but their horses seem really well forward at the minute. Uh, and certainly those four yards, in comparison to someone like Dan Skelton, he's had six winners in the last 14 days. They're not, they're not running badly, but I think his strike rate's around 10%, which would be probably around half what you'd expect. So um, some of the bigger yards, perhaps a little bit slower to get going. Yeah, it's something I suppose to note coming into the weekend, the yard form is always important, but we'll move on now. I suppose the last few races, we're kind of running short in time here now, but we look we look at a few from Nice. Um, the two o'clock brown lad handicap hurdle, two miles three. Um, did you have any fancy in this? I thought I thought firm footing was the form choice. Um, again, you're, you're, you're guessing a bit, should be fit, ran 16 days ago. Um, some of the rivals at the front of the market probably haven't had a run. Uh, I think he's bound to go. Well, I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't seen any prices yet, but I thought he was just about favourite on form. Yeah, look, kind of one that stood out for me, Rebel Gold. I think he's very interesting. For the Pat Foley team, like you were saying, we've no prizes at the moment. So it's it's kind of hard to, to, to it's kind of hard uh, to, to pick out maybe. I, I, I think this fella might be three prices. Um, like he's he's rated £25 low over, over hurdles than he is over fences. He is a 10-year-old, but like you think he might have something up his sleeve when you, when you think about that. Um, he was very, very good winning a graded race over fences last time we saw him. Now, that was last February. So he probably has had a few issues and whether he'll be fully round up for this now, I'm not 100% sure. But he ran he ran well in sixth in this race last year. The race probably got away from him a bit. Um, Rachel won as she went off in front and watch house, watch house cross um, and just made up every post the winning post. But look, if, if he's if he's fairly if he's fairly ready for this now, he could take a bit of beating. And another one I just want to give a quick mention to is drop the anchor. He's, I just think he has another big day in him. Look, the last time he won was in the November handicap here in uh, 2022, I think it was. Has been has been having pretty quiet runs over hurdles, but he's got a good claimer on board here, Nade and Kelly from the Peter Fahey yard. Um, look, if if he's on form on the day, I think I think he probably still could have a big handicap in him. But again, like it's 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 a it's a tough one, and we know prices so so it's it's quite hard to to really uh, make a strong opinion on it. So we'll move on to a grade three chase now, Barbers, the Barberstown Castle steeplechase, the 235. I thought this was very a very interesting one. Sir Gerhard, 
horse look he's he's just probably tripped this over over our fences mm. last year wasn't he? he he ran it everything up from two miles to three miles there was actually a very good quote from from jamie Cott, i think in a cheltenham preview saying he wouldn't get three miles in a horse box but we, but will he give him a go at it anyway he's, he's he back right. to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's back to two miles here um is, is that his trip do you think I think it's sort of a shot in the dark. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't need the run as well. I thought Phil Dorr was really interesting here, back at two miles. Now, um, that one's another one. It bumped into Vauban. Do you remember in the Triumph hurdle? Mm. I think every Schneid was on um, Phil Dorr each way, and it ran a blinder in, in last year, the year before last Triumph hurdle. Um, and I thought he took to chasing pretty well. He's back at two miles, which whenever he runs over two miles, he looks like he needs two and a half. And when he runs over two and a half, he looks like he needs two. But... Um, he's still open to more improvement in the yards flying. He's only run three times over fences. I, I like Phil Dorr because I, I think he's a bit more of a reliable model than Sir Gerhard. Dino Blue must be a big runner as well. Uh, Willie Mullins, second string, presumably on jockey bookings, but he's three from six over fences. He is a two-miler and he likes deep ground and he progressed nicely last season. So, again, uh, it's, it's Gordon against Willie. I mean, the market will be fascinating here. Yeah, it's it's a tough one again. Um, I, I kind of agree on Dino Blue. I just think she's a lot more reliable than the likes of Sir Gerhard. Um, fitness now will be the question. I think Willies are just kind of getting rolling at the moment. Mm. But like you were saying, I'd say Sir Gerhard isn't the hardest horse to get fit. Um, right. We didn't see him until after Christmas last year. But yeah, he's just not one I can really trust. Like his jumping isn't bad, but he, I just feel like he could walk through a fence. And I think we had an upset in this last year. It was a gentleman to me was beaten by Jeremy's flame. So I think the mayor could get the better here again. She gets a bit of weight from him. Um, Phil Dorr looked very good horse. Beat Charge, obviously, over hurdles last year. Um, mm. I just think Dino Blue is just probably the most reliable in the field. Panda Boy is a good horse as well. He, I thought he was a little bit eye-catching behind Meleda Endo in Punchestown, but this is going to be way, way too sharp for him. I'd say he's one to follow down the line. Um, I just want to give a quick mention then to the, in the 310, uh, Car Corbett's Cross is making his long-awaited reappearance over fences. It's been long-awaited by me and I'm a big fan of him. Um, just I'm kind of getting kind of contrasting views on this horse. Some people don't trust him after running out in Cheltenham. What's, what's your opinion on him? Well, I think he, I wouldn't hold that against him at Cheltenham. I think that was just one of those things. He's very progressive before then, wasn't he? Um, of course, he's only been with Emmett Mullins for, I think, a couple of runs before Cheltenham. Mm. Uh, he looks like a chaser. Uh, the only thing I'd be cautious of is Emmett Mullins has barely had a runner. He's only had one in the last 14 days and it didn't do a lot. So the market, let alone the fact that JP McManus owns him now, uh, the market uh, will be a, a fascinating guy. But he's, I think he's one of those horses, Emma, isn't he? He's in everybody's 10 to follow list this season. Yeah, he he. I really really like him. Like when I when he was with Eugene, um, even just when Emmett was after buying him, you would put him down as kind of a real just dour stare. And then he went out mm. and he beat Founder Fifty in that two mile graded hurdle, and he kind of proved everyone wrong. I thought the run in Cheltenham, like I wouldn't hold anything against him. I think the way he ran, he he actually got quite lit up during the race. Maybe that was an effect of running over two miles before. Um, he wasn't going to win when he ran out, I'd say, but he was running a big race. So I think look, he'd be right up there in the novice hurdle division, whether it'll be over two and a half or over three miles. He's probably good enough to do it either. But this isn't the easiest uh, starting point for him, obviously. Grange, Clare West was a good horse. Probably didn't live up to his bidding last year. And I, we didn't sound, we did a stable tour with Willie a couple of weeks ago and he didn't really sound overly uh, enthusiastic about this fella. 
Hart Wood then for the Bromhead team hasn't been seen in a long time. So you'd imagine if Corbus Cross is at his best, he should be winning this. But look, we'll wrap it up there. Stephen, yeah. what would be your nap of the weekend? I, I like Captain Combi at uh, Wincanton in the 150. I think it's a match between the front two. And I, I think there's much too much difference, four to six and four to one. Uh, I think Captain Combi's got the experience and is battle-hardened and will definitely like the ground, which I think could easily be edging towards heavy, whereas the favourite is unproven on really bad ground. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm gonna go with Solomon Lane in Down Royal on Saturday. Look, he'll be he'll be a big price, but I think he should definitely be in, in the in the placings at the very least. Um he's probably a horse who's he's an eight-year-old, but I think the trainer thought a bit about him as a young horse. And I just think he might still have a bit more, he might be a bit better than his rating suggests, let's say. So look, thanks very much, Stephen, for your input. We hope we found a few winners in there. If you're having a bet this weekend, make sure to gamble responsibly. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to like and subscribe to the channel.